You're flying on your magic skis. Like Louise. You heard right. Go grab those magic skis and let's meet at Lake Louise. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Kelly Vanderbeek, Olympian sports broadcaster and photographer. Here we'll be delving into mountain tales from the past, present, and future, while getting to know a few people we affectionately call Legends of Lake Louise. Today we're joined by two legends, known as Hedo and Rocket, more formally Sean O'Leary and Richard Miller, Mountain Operations Managers. In this episode, you can expect some reluctant but expert insider tips on where to find powder, why you need ninja skills to work for them, and when it comes to family, some raw emotion. Finally, can these guests name that sound and hear how they answer our fast five? Before we introduce our guests today, I want to draw us all into a moment that uh, for myself was part of why I had an emotional connection with Lake Louise. And it always happened when I was driving on Highway 1 and Lake Louise would just come into view and I would see Whitehorn and I would see the orange fencing for the World Cup. And so I was a downhill ski racer, traveled down mountains at 140K an hour, and that was my job. And whether I was new to the sport, a rookie, or when I was attaining World Cup medals, I got that same emotional reaction when I saw that fencing. I just knew that it's on. And the number of people who built this track, who created it, who prepared it for me to show up, and simply go as fast as I could from the top of the mountain to the bottom. And so for me, that's my first sort of feeling when I think of Lake Louise, is I connect with that moment when I'm on Highway 1 and I see it come into view, and I'm just like, yeah, let's go. And so I want to welcome our guests. We have uh, Rocket and Hedo, and you both have a ton of experience here. I mean, Rocket, 35 years here, and Hedo, 13 years here. So this is a long time. You guys obviously love it here. You're here for a reason. So, Rocket, can you take us into a moment or a place or something that made you just fall in love with the Lake Louise Ski Resort? I think just the big, rugged nature of it all. And when my first few years out here, cutting your teeth, learning how to ski Big Mountain, I remember going over to Two Three Shoulder with a couple buds with two tens and an old pair of Coflax on, stiff as hell, and... You know, Paradise Cherry was just being put in maybe a year before. It was soft and deep, and my buddies were going, go for it. And, okay, I'm going for it. <laughs> and I dove in there, and that was my first, like, top-to-bottom rip on old skinny ski, stiff yeah. as hell. And it's like, I like this place. <laughs> it took a little bit to get over here, but I think I like this place. Yeah. Made you come back. Hello? Yeah, I mean, kind of similar, like getting off the top of the world and just looking at the backside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That silence, that moment of just taking it all in. Still gets me. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the thing is it doesn't doesn't wear off. There's something about the Rocky Mountains, the size of them, the the sensation. Like you, Hedo, it doesn't wear off. Now, a lot of people here are transplants or they're visiting. And you're from the East Coast, Nova Scotia in Canada. Um, And you were a bit of a a newbie. (laughs) And you said just like not not a strong skier necessarily when you moved here. So how did you learn the ropes? Who helped sort of throw you off a mountain essentially (laughs) and and help you survive? Also, my buddies have been here like 
1988, and I arrived in 89. I've been skiing here since then, like working for 13, but skiing for about 33 or whatever. And so they were showing me around, and I was just, I couldn't believe what we were skiing. Mm-hmm. And I just kept at it. Just started, that's when I started working nights and skiing days, trying for 100 days a year is the big thing. Yeah. You're addicted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many years. I worked at the Chateau for a while, then Banff, and just driving the lake every day. All right, you mentioned the Chateau, so now I have to bring up a nickname that you had at the Chateau, Head of Lettuce from a Beautiful Mullet. (laughs) And it has to do with ski ballet in some reference. So, okay, you got to walk us through Mullet, Ski Ballet, and Head of Lettuce. This is is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, back in the hippie days, or my hippie days, late 80s, I... uh, I had a pretty magnif- magnificent mullet going. I didn't cut my hair for, I think, four years at one point. Oh, Tree planting, awesome. that type of thing. And, uh, well, I likened it to a ski ballet. Herman Reitzmuller. Is that the guy from the 80s? Do you remember? No. I, I just see ski ballet come through my Instagram feed and I giggle. <laughs> That's yeah. my knowledge of ski ballet. Well, <laughs> the passion that he brought to ski ballet had nothing to do with my hair, but... I used to, uh, that was prerequisite when I was patrol supervisor yeah. to watch the 88 Olympics of uh, Herman, I think it was Reitzmuller, his ski ballet, and just, he was going for it. But um, the head of lettuce, my friend Bones, has a very thick Nova Scotian accent. Anybody with a nickname Bones has got to be an interesting oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. All right. He grew up about two blocks away from me, but I, <laughs> we talked totally different. Anyway, he saw me walking to work one morning, and he hollers out the window one afternoon because they were just coming back from Calgary, probably at the bars or something. And uh, he started hollering head of lettuce out the window. <laughs> and it stuck. Boys, boys thought that was funny. That was like 1990. And so that's where Hedo came from. That's where Hedo came, comes from. Well, now, where did Rocket come from? Well, back in the day when we were working down the road at the neighbor's place, uh, I worked in the rental shop and we had masking tape name tags, but we made up a name every day or somebody would make one up for you. And then good old Freddie Bosinger came walking in one day and said, you guys are going to get this right by tomorrow morning. And the folks from the spoke assigned good old Andrew Stir- Ando Stirrup, our assistant manager at the time. And, and so played hockey against Ando that night, managed to, have a fleeting moment of dazzling brilliance on the ice, and he skated up to me, and he goes, I know what I'm going to call you. You're the rocket. And so the next day he comes in with my name tag that says rocket, and I'm so scared Freddie's going to come in and go, that's not your name, young man. But it took one day of wearing that name tag, and it stuck. And it stuck. Well, uh, for listeners who may not know, Rocket's actual name is Richard Richard. Rocket Richard, famous hockey player for uh, Canada. So if you have some speed on the ice, it's just an organic nickname. It just makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rocket's a big Habs fan. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a story here. Habs, well, one. I'm, I'm some Montrealer in me, so there's some Habs. This yeah, is, that okay, guy, if, too. If you're not Canadian, you might not know. This is like... Uh, a normal argument in every single circle. It's like, well, who do you cheer for? Okay, well, let's get it on. Let's talk about it. Let's hash it out. Well, you know, Sean, that was rather blasphemous to (laughs) suggest that I'm a Habs fan. I have a great distaste for the Habs. I am a Leaf fan, 
and Sean is the Habs fan. That's right. Neither oh, Sean, we get that. Hello, Sean. <laughs> well, I'm same, not one of the same. Yeah, no high fives from me. No, but no. I think it's tomorrow. Don't they meet again tomorrow? Tomorrow night. Yes, they do. The Hab Leafs. Well, I'm willing to bet a cold beer with anybody here on the game, <laughs> on the outcome of the game. Rock and I have been betting cold beers on this one for a long time, and we kind of lost track of... Uh, Who owes well, what in the cold yeah. beer front? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's been a few Apresky beers had by you guys oh, yes. as well. Especially, I mean, Rocky, you talk about having some ninja skills and how riding avalanches really helps you develop ninja skills extremely quickly. Um, so I have yet to do that. Can you walk us through what that might feel like? Well, you know, you, you, you'd like to feel like you're in control or you'd like to feel that you're uh, going to work your way out of things. But, uh, you know, having a little pre-plan, you know, you know, in the event that the snow starts moving with you, you know, it's like going down a river, right? Either you got to go slower or faster to na- navigate that. Well, slower isn't an option in an avalanche. So, you know, you, 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 you just, you fight it. You fight it, you, you, you stay upright as best as you can. But, you know, what, what, what I've always, well, I've, I had an interest. I've had an interest in avalanches for a long time, got involved with it, uh, not only here, but with the, the, the National Association on the board. I've always said, if anybody wanted to express interest in, in, the, in working in the avalanche industry, it's like, okay, you ski. You know, you, you know, you should be able to ski well, but what else do you do? You know, what I'm asking is what kind of ninja skills might you have? Because can you, can you huck a Frisbee? Do you play hockey? Or have you been on, uh, on, you know, do you play rugby? You've been on a team sport? Do you, like, do you play tennis? What, what do you do other than skiing? Because your situational awareness requirements when you're working with snow and avalanches is is high you know your the expectation is is it's very high so when people express interest in it it's like well what else do you do man like Mm -hmm. because because high level of athleticism would be the minimum standard so when you say ninja skills it's like you develop ninja skills by playing multiple sports Mm -hmm. and and developing that situational awareness. So that that's why, you know, nin- ninja skills, it. man. Ninja I mean, skills. You get riding in one of those things and you're pulling out every little, you, you, you're, you're, you're looking for them skills in every little pocket you got while you're, while you're enjoying the ride. <laughs> Enjoying that. Hopefully, and I mean, obviously there's so much safety here that happens within the bounds here, boundaries here at Lake Louise that avalanches are not, something you will experience within the boundaries. But at the same time, you still need to be prepared. You need to have your wits about you. And like Sean, the whole time you're nodding your head, you're going, yep, you got to have ninja skills. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you're creating avalanches to get rid of them for the public, right? And sometimes if they break above you, that's when it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like you uh, have experienced that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's where you are at the time. I mean, sometimes you don't have to worry about it because you know where you're going. But if uh, if there's something nasty below you, that's when you get the pucker factor is a little stronger and the ninja <laughs> skills are coming out a little quicker. Yeah. The pucket factor. I uh, like that one. Uh, well, uh, and hey, you're talking about ninja skills. We're going to bring back ski ballet again because you work with the patrollers and to warm them up. Apparently you have uh, a little bit of uh, ski ballet with the patrollers. Is, is that a thing? No, not me. Do you? We watch it. 
You oh, watch you, it. You, you oh, do. you don't do it. All right, come on. No, no. All right. Skip <laughs> well, that. sometimes maybe a, on a wee waxy run check. A little bit of spinning, but uh, not the full ballet. Okay. You need longer poles these days. Who, who uses long poles? Not me. <laughs> Why would you? Why would you? 115 max. You guys have been at Lake Louise, and so you know all the pockets. You know the ins, the outs. And I actually recently saw Lake Louise post, uh, hey, come uh, check out our snow drifts, because there was not a ton of fresh snow recently. And so they were talking snow drifts. I'm like, we're getting to the point of advertising snow drifts. But it's actually a thing. Like, you can find some pretty nice turns if you know where to look. So I'm curious. Petal, we'll start with you. Where would you pick your number one secret spot if you want to get a powder turn on this mountain? Um, summit fronts, if you're talking drifts. Yeah. No, not drifts. I'm talking whatever. Just a, a little hidden, little hidden patch. I'm tuning in, Sean. Yeah, exactly. I'm tuning in, bud. This is going to get everybody tuning in. What is well, Sean about to say? Everyone wants that turn, right? Well, what about the, the wave? wave? About the wave, the pockets, um, sunset pocket. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> it's my little stash. Because <laughs> it looks a little rocky at the top, but once you get into it, uh, chunkies, avoid horn. Down low, yeah. always drifts in nice. It's only about five turns, but... Worth it. It's five good ones. It's five good ones. Yeah. Well, the, the, the little sneaky drift that I, that I look forward to is at the bottom of ER3. And, and you know, you skied the steep gnarl of, of ER3, and, and there's a long, gentle wind drift that if you, you know, on certain years, you want to be on the drift because if you go off right you're over the drift and maybe hitting more shallower snow there's boulders all over the place but if you stay on that drift and don't venture off you're gonna have a nice turn you're gonna have a nice run see and these guys know so to tell us a little bit about what you actually do here so rocket could you walk us through like what's your job what what do you well, we're, we're the mountain operations department and both Hedo and i manage the department and and within the department, we've got the snow making. If if we're if we're talking about uh, how the season gets going, so you know we got to make snow down on the lower mountain to get the wee waxy five hundred going. So we look after snow making production, and the grooming, and the snow farming with the trail crew that gets going before the snow flies. You know the avalanche control, the ski patrol, and then the terrain parks. And then we look after a lot of the risk management stuff too. Major events, fully involved with the major events. Mm-hmm. Anything to do with the, the outdoors. If it's snow, it's us. Mm-hmm. Oh, and snow farming, if people are wondering, uh, they're yeah. actually moving snow. It doesn't always fall where you need it. And sometimes it blows away. So you have to actually pick it up, shovel it, move it, get it to where you need it on those traverses. So, and, sometimes we do, yeah. yeah. Like you're hoping Mother Nature's going to infill that for you. But not yeah, always. sometimes she doesn't. So sometimes you shovel on a year like this. Yeah, you shovel a little bit. Uh, you know, on, on better years, you got a big snow cat to do the shoveling for you because they can reach further. They can get further. But uh, it's, a, it's a little more challenging on a year like this. Well, you don't have the budget to bring in the choppers like at Vancouver Olympics? <laughs> oh, we do. We're saving that for a Save real that. rainy day. Okay, let's <laughs> hope we never see that rainy day. Oh, there. there's no such thing as budgets at Lake Louise. Well, Charles. <laughs> Charles will just lay it out there for you. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you can't see this, but Hedo just it was raining money there yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's raining yeah. money. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little sarcasm, in case we you didn't catch it, that. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I head out. Can you talk us through what's the hardest part about your job and what's the most rewarding part? That's a big question, I guess. Um, the hardest part is like there's the physical aspect of it, which I don't really find that hard. I don't mind that. The shoveling sometimes. I'll get in there with the kids. And... He's a young man. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, just dealing with people, like staff. We have up to 130 staff when we're in full stonemaking mode. So there's a lot going on with that and uh, a lot of issues, a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, maybe like you say hardest, but you know, the cha- challenging, right? yeah. like, like it, it, it's, sure. you know, to keep 130 folks happy and, and help them stay happy, whether that's staying healthy and, and making good choices out there not slipping or not finding themselves hurt or tired or. <clears throat> yeah. That's a challenge. And kind of the same for the public too, right? Trying mm-hmm. to keep everybody healthy and happy, you know however many thousands of people might be here on a given day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the whole point is to have fun here in a safe way. Yeah. And it's a complicated, challenging mountain. We try to yeah. show them the right way. Yeah, try and simplify it and, and steer them away from uh, your favorite snow drifts exactly, and pockets. Yeah. yeah, okay, all right. I mean, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes things go wrong too, right? Well, yeah. and, and when they hit, if they're hitting your favorite shot, it's like, way to go, bud. Way to it. figure that out. Yeah. Way to go. You know, staffing is always an issue. I mean, we are in the middle of a national park. It's We're far from major centers. It's it's not an easy job. But I've also heard that uh, the snowmaking has some of the highest return rates of employees. So you guys are obviously doing something right. Is it the beers? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, that. that's... That, unequivocally to me it's got to be one of the most exciting jobs you'll have at a mountain you know it, our snowmaking all you know their shifts they each get a bit of daylight and they each get a bit of dark but the it's exciting and it's fast pace it, it can be fast pace and and you know traveling around in the dark what you see in the dark and 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 uh, experiencing a quiet mountain beyond snowmaking, when I say quiet, there's no activity except for maybe some snowcats, the snowmaking in your crew. So there's there's something pretty intimate about it. And and the hard work, the fruits of your labor you get to see and and then some of the some of the mishaps or the the you know uncontrollable <laughs> things like you know a, a hose ruptures just when you get something nicely set up or or, you know, uh, something happens within a fan gun that it fails. And next thing you know, you just left it. And, and a half hour later, you come back to it. And it's been nothing but throwing water out there on a minus 15 night, which freezes when it hits the you ground. You know, have a so, skating rink, yeah. So the emotional highs and lows. When, when you experience that with people in, in, this, in this industry, but in snowmaking and in all other industries, you know, what you do, the emotional highs and lows... You make friends and 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 you share those that that those will never go away and that that for the folks that decide that have the opportunity to come back that's what draws them back is those you know the the efforts the fruits of your labor the emotional highs and lows and sharing that with some people that you've just met and made friends with that you'll be bosom buddies for the rest of time mm-hmm. man like yeah well put rocket and how do you. I mean, Rocket, I'm going to play off of a word you used. You said it's, it's an intimate relationship. And at the top of this podcast, Sean, you talked about just 
how it doesn't get old, the view off the top. Oh. Can you walk us through what it's like at the top of the mountain, top of Whitehorn, when it's nighttime and it's quiet and there really is nobody but you there? It's true. Like, very few people get to experience that. Like, to stand on top of a major ski area and it's you and a couple of buddies. That's mm-hmm. it. Or just you sometimes, right? Yeah, and the, just the different lights and everything. Yeah. Everything. The whole sensation. Uh, and that's the other thing, you know, like sunrises and sunsets when you're when you when you work here year round, but especially in the winter, you're catching every sunrise and sunset. And and these 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 mounts, I mean, okay, I'm gonna sound biased here, but being around the world skiing, there's some spectacular scenery around the world, ain't no doubt about it. But like this Lake Louise group has got something. It's got something. There's a reason it's a bucket list for so many people yeah. around the world. Yeah. That's yes, looking over and seeing, you know, the sun coming up on Temple. Well, and when you've been to the top of those peaks, either in winter or summer, and skied off a few of them, you know, there's that intimacy too, right? Mm-hmm. But summer, hiking them, you know, you look over and you go, I got to go up that this summer. I haven't been up that in 20 years. I'm going over there. And, uh, or even some of the ones behind us here, uh, like as, as, as Hedo said on the backside, like looking over the backside, like, you know, newcomers to this place and there was that mountain travel symposium like 10 years ago or something or 15 years ago here and 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 a lot of these writers or people came here and you know they 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 heard about lake louise but really not a lot and then you show them that backside and you show them the terrain there and it's in good shape uh they're like oh my god uh i kind of heard about this place before but not like this. You don't feel it. You don't feel it till you experience it. Yeah. And once you feel it, you get addicted, don't you, Hedo? Yeah. <laughs> 33 years later. 33 yeah. years later and 35 for Rocket. So some Wiley Vets here. So Wiley Vets, you're probably going to be able to name that sound. So we're going to play a little game called Name That Sound. So we're going to hear in your headset, you're going to hear this sound shortly. She'll play once. We'll see if you can get it quickly. It's also because... There's two of you. We're going to make a competition out of this. I like to compete. Sure, as so always. whoever is fastest will uh, will win a little Apresky drink. What was that one? A fart. <laughs> oh, no, that was Hedo. That was oh, did Hedo. you miss that? All right. That didn't come over the headset. <laughs> right out of Hedo's trial. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going red. Okay, ready? Here's the sound. Ready. Back up yeah. alarm. They got the exact same time. That's, this is too easy. What did you say? Transceiver? I said backing up. Oh, backing up. Because uh, yeah, it sounded more like a transceiver when I thought about it. Cat. It's cat backing up. All right. Yeah. You guys pretty much we'll nailed that. Tie. We'll call that a tie. All right. So it's drinks exactly, all around. All right. Exact- that, a tie means our producer, Jocelyn. Uh, you can't see she's behind the scenes here, but uh, she's working the buttons and then hitting the sound. So she's going to buy us all a drink after this. That's oh, perfect. Do right. you, you have another sound? Could you or some of Sound like uh-huh. a snowmaking gun. Turn up again. A compressor. A pump. Get on one every time at the bottom. Train. Of the chairlift. That's a chairlift. Chairlift. Mm. Not a healthy sounding chairlift. <laughs> that must be down the road at the neighbor's place because nothing sounds like that here. Well oiled machine. All right, now we're going to move into our fast five. 
Rocket, you're going to kick it off. Favorite run at Lake Louise? Whitehorn 1. Whitehorn 1. G-Gully, Whitehorn 2. Well, I can go Whitehorn 1 Rodney, see, because if you're not going top to bottom, you may as well not be there at all. <laughs> it's like drinking gin. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to drink the whole bottle, why bother why even start? starting? Why even start? All right. Uh, current ski of choice, Rocket? Vocals, any kind, because they ski all the same. It all depends on the conditions, but unreal skis. My man, that's my go-to brand as well. All right, hello. Uh, I like I uh, got some Armada JJ's house skis. Work ski is a land ripstick. Mm-hmm. Works pretty well. Next uh, question here: top song choice before dropping into ER seven, ER three. Your your choice. Whitehorn one. Whitehorn one. Rocket. There's a rose in a fisted glove. And the eagle flies with the dove. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Any run, I'm going to love the one I'm with right now. Awesome. <laughs> I what about you? What do you wow. listen to? <laughs> I don't listen to anything. I, a little I Motorhead. The Ace I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was honestly just thinking that. I love Motorhead. And, uh, you got, you got Motorhead skis for a while, didn't you? I do, yeah. yeah. Motorhead was. Um, That's right. Let's, let's go with Motorhead. Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> You could tell these two know each other, hey? You always have a song in your head because you, you might have gone past the lifty at the base and they had a tune going and all of a sudden it's in your head. Especially large, the tunes are always going back yeah, there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I, think, I, think, you know, I think I was just listening to If I Could Turn Back Time with Cher. Somebody had it going here this morning, so there I am whistling my way down Large Palm. If I could turn back time. <laughs> If I can find a way. Hey, we sound pretty good at this right. morning. All right, Rocket, go to lens color. Oh, uh, no lens, man. I wear safety glasses. I, I hate, <laughs> I what? hate goggles. Aren't your eyes just watering and crying? No, like, man. Oh like the God. cheap 50 cent safety glasses we got around here, I'll wear them unless it's raging outside. Then I'll put on... Uh, I don't know, whatever my buddy Mikey K sends me for marker, <laughs> like as long as it's not too dark, I put those things oh, on. Oh man, no chance. I even tape, when I was racing, I would tape my goggles to let no air in because I, I couldn't handle like this. I mean, I was going pretty fast, but still. He, does, he doesn't ski fast enough. Oh, there, now the truth's <laughs> coming out. All right, Hedo, what, uh, what about you? I think uh, I have a Smith everyday lens. It's mm-hmm. got a slight green tinge to it. Green tinge. I feel like green or orange are the best everyday mm-hmm. colors. That's yeah. I'm an orange person, but um, I, I switch it up sometimes. The green one, Chroma Pop. Green and orange. Yeah. We're not getting into politics, are we? Here? <laughs> We're down, not going everybody. blue and red. We're not talking no, no. Irish politics. No, we'll, we'll leave that. <laughs> O'Leary. Being an O'Leary. <laughs> Head of O'Leary over here. Sean Patrick. All right, now we're heading into, obviously, everybody's favorite part of skiing, a little Apra ski. What's your favorite drink, Rocket? Cold beer. Cold beer. How many cups of coffee a day, Sean? Five. (laughs) (laughs) I get up early, man. I got young kids. (laughs) I don't sleep a lot. (laughs) And I'm talking mugs. That's the other thing we share in common. We decided to have kids later on in life. Maybe Sean a little later than me. They keep you young. 
They truly do. They truly do. Remind you why you love and, it out here, too. And that's the beauty of working at a ski resort, too. The youth exuberance. You, you, you're forced to think young yeah. here. Because if you're not, you may as well step aside. Because if you're not relating and having a great time with the young folks here, whether they're 19 or 18 fresh out or even like Or 80. 30. I've seen 80-year-olds that are just like kids out yeah, there. You see yeah. them getting off the lift, and the look on their face is like a 12-year-old yeah, boy or girl. Yeah. Just not coming out of their nose. Exactly. Just like <laughs> Would you like a tissue? Here, let me get that for you. <laughs> blow. Blow. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the day, Rocco? I'm a morning guy. I'm definitely a morning guy. I'm a, I'm a lark, I guess, right? Uh, I'm, I clearly think in the morning, I write better, I read better in the morning, so. And you know, first chairs, first anything, first to the river, first to the chair. It's a place to be. Mm-hmm. Rocket hey, likes, nope. to, he likes to get here about six o'clock in the morning, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to get to work early and get your head about you and get a head start mm-hmm. of everybody else. You know what, if I'm gonna hit the groomers, or I'm gonna hit powder, I want, I want first tracks. Yeah. Either or, I don't care. I want first. those first tracks. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. You get mm-hmm. that moment where you do. You feel mm-hmm. like you have the place to yourself, whether whether you do or not. It feels like it. It's pretty special in today's world. It is. Even driving down the road, that's part of the reason why I leave early, because there's so fewer cars or trucks on the road. Like, we, we got on the road at, like, 6 today, and, of course, it's Friday of a long weekend, and it's like... What's with, what's with all the traffic? It's like traffic. That, that ain't the 401. <laughs> no, it's your but, traffic's yeah. relative. Traffic <laughs> here in the valley is, uh, yeah, there's a couple cars on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, um, you guys both have young kids, so I'm curious. Um, do you have an experience with your kids here at this mountain that resonates? Go to me? Yeah, we have some emotions. Oh, all good. You, you know, uh, riding the platter. Like... That ain't there anymore, uh, but you know you're the that that graduation of both my kids, which are eleven years apart. But uh, yeah, no skiing with your kid here. Skiing with your kids is pretty magical. And I, I'd have, there was one good Friday that that good like Friday, Saturday, Sunday that the sun came out. And it went from dry to corn in those three days. But all three days, there was numerous families skiing the front side of Summit there, all just relishing, like, like kids, like tons, like, you know, the Capels and the Richardsons and, and the Millers and the, the Matrams. And, like, there was just numerous families there for that weekend. And, and uh, that was awesome, you skiing with it. your families, yeah. for sure. I've got it together now. <laughs> hey, nothing, nothing wrong with emotion. And when you bring up kids, I'm, I'm the same. Just watching them learn. Yeah. First couple of bow turns. I wish everybody could see your face right now because it's so awesome. It's so deep. It's so it resonates when you have that love for that view of temple of the sun rising of the feeling of the snow under your feet of that sliding of that wind in your face when you see that reflected in your kids. Oh. Got to ski with my daughter a couple of days ago, at, you know, once a year maybe. You know, that's some, somebody said this to me recently. They said skiing and golfing are their favorite sports, and they will do everything they can now to get their kids to do those sports with them. 
because they're either trapped on a chairlift or they're yeah. trapped in a golf cart. Yeah. And they actually get to talk to them. They yeah. actually get to interact with them. And because guess what, kids, like your parents love you so much <laughs> and you just yeah. you just want to be around them. Yeah. And and you know, uh, those two sports, Hedo and I both have great participation in and 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 yeah, golfing with your kids is awesome. Because it's just you and them, or or you you you, you know together, and you got to walk together, you got to cart together, and and you mess up a shot, and and it, you know let out some emotion. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your words. Choose, Choose your, your words, words wisely. You know? And it's like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Well, up here on the mountain, I mean, you're kind of in the same way you talk about your employees, and you're sort of going through battle a little bit. You have those emotional highs and lows. Mm-hmm. There's the same thing for everybody who hits a mountain. You you might have a crash, and you got to help pick up the pieces. You are in it together, whether you're picking your line or you're deciding where you're or where you're deciding where you're going to after a ski or reconnect. What chairlift we meeting at? Oh, yeah, you're going to hit, yeah, it. and then yeah, you yeah. then you come back together, and you're also reliving that run. Well, where'd you go? What'd you hit? Who'd you see? What you know? And there's always these hidden stories that yeah, pop out of every yeah. moment, and then that doesn't go away. And that that bond created. At a place like Lake Louise with your kids, we're all crying here. I'm just, we're just all just about to start crying. <laughs> it is. It we're brings an emotion, saps. doesn't it? We're yeah. A bunch of saps, but it's the best. The best. What's life without emotions? Boring. Nothing. It's Nothing. boring. Rocket, I hear you doing limericks. Can you uh, wrap us up on a limerick? Oh my. <laughs> Um, I'm totally, this is not, this is, yeah, limericks are meant to be lewd, but <laughs> I, I was thinking of this one last night as we were handing out the long-term service recognition awards, right? We had this glorious party here for folks who'd put in 5, 10, 15, 20, and you always worry somebody's going to put you on the spot to say something, kind of like you, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> That's what I do. But, you know, I was thinking awards or prizes, so this one came to mind. There once was a man from Eliza's whose balls were two different sizes. One was small, hardly anything at all, but the other one was big and won prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we leave on that note? <laughs> all right, we're good. <laughs> talking balls it's time to wrap it up (laughs) (laughs) well you know there once was a man from austin who drove around in an austin he had room for his ass and a gallon of gas but his balls hung out and he lost them (laughs) he's got more oh i'm sure it's endless yeah oh i mean we're talking to a man Uh, who did uh, summit uh, cup naked uh, yeah well we did too yeah we you know skied naked a few times like that just seemed like you had to do that at least once in your life. Once and then what's another time and or in another you know, time and another, another time, time. <laughs> and another time. Well, I had I do hear that you have some dance moves once uh, you get a few drinks in you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, I, do you ever do a dance to like the snow god of Ula or anything like that? I've done many this year. Okay. I've All been, right. I've been uh been sprinkling a little glitter around. It's oh. my new thing. Okay. But saying nothing a little glitter wouldn't fix. <laughs> And uh, my jar of glitter's getting low. We have a daily meeting. It's the 345, we call it, because we commence at 345. And, and, you know, it's not always good news at a ski resort, but um, a ukulele found its way into our meeting room. And uh, we've procured our own now because we didn't want to use somebody else's, but we procured our own ukulele. 
And if there's any bad news to be brought forth to the table at our 345, you got to pick up the ukulele and strum it because then it makes it sound not so bad. It's a very serious meeting. Yeah, obviously. Any, yeah. any meeting with a ukulele is, yeah. is intense. And fresca. Well, we, we bring some fresca occasionally, too. Very underrated beverage. Oh, yeah. I know fresca well from Europe. I mean, that's, that's a go-to drink. Yeah. Ask <laughs> part tame. Like, it's the tame bit at the end that makes it seem, ah, it can't be so bad. But, but you know, we, we do have to cover a lot in our 345s. Like, we've True. got seven departments we're running, and they, there has to be some symbiotic nature to it all because you were nothing without each other like and then of course we support the rest of the mountain with we got the snow cats we you know we we got the know-how to do a bunch of stuff so you know we're nothing without each other but uh, so all those meetings have a, a great deal of content particularly before christmas you know when we're building this place mm-hmm. and and a little bit after christmas on years like this but but once we're into the new year and the days are getting longer there's it's often just major events we're talking about and, and some sore spots out there when there are some. But that's and, what the ukulele's for. And gambling. But Well, we might do a little gambling there. What would life be without a few bets <laughs> here and there? If you can bring a dollar, like there's always something to gamble. So put a dollar in your pocket and... Keeps it interesting, Rocket. Keeps it interesting. Okay. Keep, doing, keeps you in the game. I'm doing pretty well this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, what do you bet on? Various things, but snowfall is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, skier counts, although we're not supposed to. Yeah, no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. But maybe what time the first accident's going to happen in the day, or like if it's a, if it's like a storm, we'll we'll either we'll we'll let the storm hole play out, right? So if we're forecasting a storm, it's like okay, well. What do you think? So there's a lot of numbers that are po- possible because sometimes there's six of us there. Sometimes there's 12 of us at the meeting. So the more opportunity to bet, like if there's like a six centimeter forecast, well, there's you know, like how many bets can you make? There's only six centimeters there. But if there's a storm, then everybody can get in on the action. <laughs> the three day bets are the best. Yeah. Or we can, we have side bets too, you know, like, are they going to find that hazard that we're talking about right now? What's the over-under on some of these? uh... (laughs) Yeah. How complex are we getting on this? Well, (laughs) we do over-unders. Yeah, sometimes they get a little complex, but that's the fun of it all. You got to have skin in the game, baby. We all have skin in the game. (laughs) You're on the mountain, you're in. Yep. You're all in. Yep. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Well, now that you have a newfound appreciation for some of the mountain operations managers, be sure to give them a wave if you happen to cross paths with them while you're out on the hill. If you joined us because you needed a mountain break from daily life, or perhaps you were passing the time while driving to the lake, whatever the case, thanks for choosing to share your time with us. As always, it's a privilege. On behalf of the Lake Louise Ski Resort...